Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Gradient Podcast. As always, I'm Evan, one third of your host, and with me today are my co-hosts. And me, Jaden, another one third. And might I add, uh, we've spent about uh, five, six takes trying to record this one bit. And I'm your last third, <laughs> Arman. Now, country rapper turned possible Satanist Lil Nas X is recently in the news for his controversial rap video, Montero, in which he was seen pictured going down to hell in a stripper pole and literally dancing on the devil. This alongside his very controversial new Nike sneaker, in which it has a singular drop of human blood. Thoughts? I think, you know, before we get into the sneakers, we kind of have to start with, you know, why the sneakers were made in the first place and, like, why is Lil Nas X um, currently ascent, like at the center of controversy? And like you said, Armand, that all goes back to his um, Montero video. And I think his video is... You can clearly see why it's controversial, right? But the more and more you think about it, I think the song itself is very catchy. It's a, like if you forget the message behind the song and the music video itself, it's a very likable song at the end of the day. But you know, the depiction we see of him like lap dancing on the devil is something that you know you can see where the controversy is coming from. Mm-hmm. A lot of the controversy surrounding, uh, you know. Little Nas X, you know, possibly being a Satanist and, you know, Satan worship and, you know, we're corrupting the kids. It it really harkens back, at least to me, to the Satanic Panic period of like the late 80s, early 90s, um, where you had, you know, court hearings and uh, testimonies, you know, regarding, you know, perceived demonic imagery in, you know, games like Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, like, like metal albums like Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast, where, you know, they, they used satanic and demonic imagery mostly for dramatic effect and, you know, for entertainment and, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of conservative upper class, um, religious folk, you know, got really up in arms about it. They were concerned about, you know, how will this affect the children and whatnot. And so I, I feel like a lot of those same, you know, controversies and messages that were being talked about, you know, back then, you know, 30, 40 years ago even, are, you know, similarly being talked about today with the issue of, you know, Satanism and exposing our children to, you know, the worship of Satan and whatnot. Well, my first thought is I like the fact that Satanic Panic rhymes. But anyways, um, Great so... Cover. When you talk about like the the reminiscence between uh, Lil Nas's X video and the Satanic Panic, rhyme time, um, I think the the difference in it is almost with the purpose of why Lil Nas X pictured his music video the way he did. And to understand that, you first got to know that he is a homosexual rapper, and in the industry of rap especially, he's been actively uh, been told he's been going to he's gonna see the devil in hell when he dies because of his sexual sexual orientation. Now, the purpose of his whole music video is literally to uh, put the image out there that he does not care what everyone thinks and that he actively embraces the idea because he doesn't believe it, right? Yeah, I think the purpose of his music video is like undeniably the fact that, you know, not just like homosexual people in the um, people who rappers, right? But just homosexuals in general, I think that's something that they are here too often. And in Lil Nas X's video, he's, I think it's a very strong moment of activism because what he's trying to get out from this is, I don't care what you guys have to say to me. I don't care if I am going to go to hell because I'm just going to live my life and be happy, right? And like I said, in terms of activism, I think that is extremely powerful because not only does it 
kind of just like shoo off all the people who are against him and like you can tell he doesn't care because he's happy and that's at the end of the day all that really should matter to him but also to anyone you know who is technically shunned you know or outcasted by society i think it definitely can feel some sort of empowerment from that video where you know who cares what other people say i'm happy i'm living my best life you know i think mm -hmm. activism referring it to as is i guess the most inadvertent form of it ever because the image is literally the opposite or i don't want to say the opposite of activism actually because i don't think it's activist not to dance on the devil but anyways um i think the message itself is especially powerful when you think about the the context of Lil Nas X, right? He's in the hip hop rap industry, an industry that is so dominated by uh, various individuals in their music, flaunting the fact that they are able to have intercourse with, I guess, the most insanely attractive woman that they meet, right? And it is a whole um, like super straight driven mentality in rap and the fact that he is, I guess, the polar opposite of that as a homosexual rapper, he's definitely received the most backlash because of it and the fact that he actively talks about or gave the image that he does not care what people think in this regard is especially powerful for those as Jaden talked about shunned by society for their orientations or their views and whatever because it really shows that if he can say that he doesn't care given this mountain of resilience or mountain of controversy about who he is then why can't other people give the same outlook right yeah yeah I, th I think i think dancing or like, like like giving the devil a lap dance is a very different kind of performative activism i guess you could put it um that's what but, i was trying to get at yeah um, well like i mean right you know what yeah. i mean i mean uh, you know performative activism you, you get the joke um but i think you know kind of with Lil Nas X, you know being incredibly prideful in, in his sexual orientation you know wearing it on his sleeves you know, basically all times, especially during the music video, where it's very, you know, he's very explicitly proud of his of his, of homosexuality. I think it's a very important thing for the uh, the hip hop and the rap scene because you know a lot of the imagery surrounding you know male rappers in the uh, in that in in the scene is you know it's very you know as Armand was putting it you know very very you know uh, centralized towards heterosexuality. You know, it's all about you know getting women and you know with you know strippers and all the kind of stuff. I mean, Pole was used in the video, but I digress. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of controversy, a lot of, like, anti-homosexual sentiments in the rap scene. I can't think of too many off the top of my head. The most prominent one that comes to mind, of course, is, like, with Eminem, where, you know, his controversy surrounding his, his use of the, the F word, not, you know, that, not the normal one, like, you know, the really bad F word that you shouldn't say. You shouldn't say either of them for. Yeah. Sake. You should say. I mean, we won't say either of them. For My the podcast, monetization. You really shouldn't. Yeah, you really shouldn't say. You know, the the really bad one that we're talking about. You don't want to be canceled at the Gradient Podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, he, his repeated use of of, you know, of that f word, um, you know, was was one of his you know one, one of his major controversies. So that that kind of anti homosexual sentiment, you know, the way it kind of goes against the the very you know heterosexual centralized view of uh, or August perspective on on rap and hip hop. Um, I think it's very important to have someone who is, you know, very open about the homosexuality and not afraid to make songs and music videos and, and you know, honestly, maybe even, even entire albums about his sexual orientation. My whole concern about that is, I guess, the, the, the purpose he was trying to portray through the music video could have been so easily done without being so flamboyantly dancing on the devil, right? But I guess a second purpose you want to talk about is just to be super controversial because mm -hmm. evidently it's what he thrives on right yeah 
Yeah, I think I think he really was going. I think it's one of his main goals, not his main main goal, but one of his primary goals was being provocative, being, you know, stirring the pot, you know, causing controversy. Yeah, right? it's something, yeah it's something that Little Nas X has thrived in. He is someone who is not only comfortable, but has probably lived in controversy for most most of his career and is, you know, he really, you know, feeds off of it. So I think he was, you know, one of his one of his major goals was definitely being provocative in his music video. I don't oh, think you can I say I don't I don't really think that you can say like it's not even an argument to say that, you know, uh he had no intent to be controversial with his music video, right? Um He wanted to be. No he, he like Lil Nas X has never been one scared of controversy. He's never been shy. And I I think especially with this media music video, it's kind of just a big message to like anyone who's ever like opposed him for his sexuality just to say like you know what you can spend your time ranting on twitter i, I like you can send all your twin longers i'm just over here having a good time like i'm happier than you are most likely like i'm living a better life and i think yeah like he, he got his message across like even if the video is controversial you know which he most likely wanted to be his message was sent and was ultimately you know boosted throughout everyone like who know or does doesn't know the song because of the controversy and i think at the end of the day it he it's the type of like marketing genius you kind of have to have when you know you have like differing opinions and stuff like that and i think he did a really good job at that so this is where i somewhat disagree with you and i like that you talked about the marketing genius behind this controversy right do you think the controversy or at least what i think is the controversy surrounding it obviously was to make the the purpose more well known that he doesn't care about what you think about his sexual orientation. But I feel like the a little bit of a, a catalyst for being so controversial was to better market his shoes that have the drop of blood in them. I mean, I mean that's an argument you can make. I don't really think I don't think it's fair to say that his purpose for doing all of this was to make money because in theory if you know he really just was only doing this to make money off his shoes like he wouldn't limit the amount that they were and all that right but i think that you know i think it's not unfair to say that money played a factor into it but undeniably like it, he made the video and he published the video to kind of send that message to people right mm -hmm. yeah i think i think the success of the shoe sales was definitely more of a it's an added bonus, you know. Yeah, Why not? More, more like, I don't want to say it was a positive side effect, but it was, it was, it was, it was intentional, but it wasn't the main focus per se. Um, it was more just something that you know they did in addition to it. That I'm sure Little Nas X had a lot of creative input on, you know, in terms of the design. I'm sure he was very proud of it. You know, it's something that he wanted to sell. So Little Nas X sends out, you know, the fire tweets and then sends out some fire kicks. It's really the one-two combo. <laughs> the one-two combo. I, I agree with you in the sense that I guess the, the whole bigger picture of it was to, uh, I guess, like, make his purpose more well-known about that he doesn't care about what you think about his orientation. But I think just referring to the market of the shoes as just an added bonus is a little bit diminishing it a little bit because I think it was a little more of a motivation, but not the major motivation. That being said, can we talk a little bit more about the shoes themselves? What do you guys yeah. think about put actual human blood in I think the first question that anyone should have like when thinking about the shoes is whose blood is in this shoe right where yeah, did this come from blood in this world for <laughs> search what is this and this stamps put it in shoes Lil Nas X just hijacked one of those like big red buses outside the movie theater and said I'm gonna be barbering this oh, <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing one of those red buses, and after someone donates blood, he rips off the sign and says "red bus." The red bus. <laughs> it's just Lil Nas. 
Shoe fun. See, see now I'm imagining fun. he's like he's like in like a very like classic like 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 cartoon burglar outfit and he's like tiptoeing around this big sack just full of blood. You ever you ever seen the, the thing in the Dark Knight where the Joker is wearing the nurse's outfit? I feel like that's Bill Bosak's. <laughs> You guys ever seen, um, like, you know, when people, like, steal gas from cars or, like, steal oil from, like, behind a restaurant, they just have, like, the pipe, like, they, you know, it's it's an actual red bus inside there, but Lil Nas X just got his pipe running down the street into his own little collection bin. <laughs> yeah. My other thought is, is this, like, medically safe? Because, I don't know, like, the the effects of having blood like old blood in your shoes would that like smell or anything I well it's like it's like I it's like in a glass cont container yeah. right yeah i know it's not the first time people have gotten mad celebrities were having blood in glass containers i know uh i believe it was machine gun kelly right he had like a a vial that was like a significant other's blood on a necklace and people were like that's weird dude because it is weird it is weird like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's kind of a weird thing to do. How do you guys feel about how the shoes actually look, though? Because I just pulled up a picture here, and, like, you know, they, 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 they're, I think, if you were to just exclude, like, the pentagrams from the shoes, like, it's a pretty good-looking shoe, right? <laughs> you, you ignore <laughs> the satanic imagery. Nice yeah, but like for the purpose of the shoe, the design of the shoe, it's a pretty good shoe. <laughs> I mean, but even still, like, in terms of, like, making a good shoe... Like, I don't think you can say this is, like, a bad-looking shoe. No, yeah, it looks nice. So, actually, like, because, uh, that, that shoe, like, design concept, the, like, not satanic part of it, is a, is a very common, like, the, the Nike Air Max, I don't know the specific mm -hmm. model, but it's, it's, a, it's, like, a common, like, shoe model that Nike has with, like, hundreds of different color waves, right? They have, like, a, uh, a Jesus version of it, right? Like, a polar opposite of a satanic one, like a heaven shoe, right? And instead of blood, they have actual holy water in them. We gotta call Ishan to see if he can get us a pair. Yeah, you know, if you're, right? if you're interested in learning more about the shoe game and how everything episode operates, 12. you can go ahead and check out our other episode on on uh, on streetwear and you know and the uh, and the shoe market. That being said, I think it's a good time to transition into our bigger topic of today's episode, and that is Georgia's voting law. Mm. How did that happen from Lil Nas X to Georgia's <laughs> voting law? What do they have in common? Um, you know, good question. Controversy. They both Con exist. Controversy yeah. is what they have in common, right? They both but the difference like between that. the controversy is that I think one of them. No, one of wait them's a about uh, the devil, and the other one's about giving people water. I just made a transition. You just undid the transition, Armand. Uh, anyway, but I think you know there is a lot of controversy um, surrounding these new Georgia voting laws, and I don't think it's with 100 percent. It's fair, right? Because at the end of the day, I think the only way you can approach these Georgia voting laws is that the losing party of an election is trying to make it harder for the winning party to win the election and trying to, you know, increase their hold and strengthen their hold into, like, our system of government, right? Because at the end of the day, like, if we go, if you look at the actual changes that they passed, you could tell that some of these changes are very systematically designed to, you know, when it, talk, when it comes to things like Sunday voting, right, and early voting, they're very systematically designed, and specifically in Georgia, to hurt the African-American vote, right? And that's something that we all know, you know, in Georgia specifically tends Democratic, right? And it really nowadays, just... Yeah. Nowadays, right, yeah. And it was definitely, like, one of the reasons why Joe Biden did very well in that state. And 
it's kind of sad to me that this is the state of our democracy where the losing party doesn't say, hey, how can we become a better party? How can we appeal to voters more? Their narrative is now, hey, we can still be our same party, but how do we make it harder for everyone else to win, you know? Right, it's almost like a, a sore victory, right? Yeah, um, well, sore, sore loss, not a victory. They didn't win. Sore loss, sorry, yeah. my apologies. Um, and uh, I think the, the controversy around the bill specifically is, or I guess the justification for the proposing party is um, how does the, the, the law itself limit the African-American vote? And Jaden, can you clarify that? Yeah, so I pulled it up right here. Um, and what the... Um what the law does is it a it limits the days before a general election where you can get a mail-in ballot application it requires voter ids right it limits uh the freedom you kind of had before with absentee ballots and it also um made changes to early voting specifically where it shortened the period and it also i believe yeah it also believe made voting harder on sundays right and these are all things that like if we go back to the 2020 election and we look at the trends, early voting, absentee voting, all favored Democratic, right? Um, we see that Sunday voting favored a lot of, you know, um, we talked about it in our actual election episode, souls to the polls, right? These type of things exactly. are what kind of empower and strengthen African-American communities and different communities to be able to exercise their right, right? And laws like this, which might I add, is not just in Georgia, but states all over the country who are enacting similar laws to these, is what's slowly stripping away these people who fought for their rights so long ago, their simple right to vote in our elections. Mm -hmm. So uh, my, my one question about the, the controversy, at least, is uh, for, first let's clarify things. I think we can uh, universally agree that, at least in this instance, we all lean liberal, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I, I think that's like a good thing to put out. And I, I know me specifically, I tend to lean left but they're definitely like i think it's very important just in general that you know people don't just say i lean left i'm gonna vote left like this is what i believe you need to be like this is what i believe on any specific issue this is what i'm gonna vote for so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so um it's been that obviously we can agree or like as Jaden just talked about how the um the georgia voting law is uh like an indirect limit to the democratic vote and more specifically the african-american vote into uh in, in the georgia elections right that being said, do you think it was a bit of a, an overstatement? Because we have to be a little critical of our own party as well. Uh, do you think it's a bit of an overstatement for Joe Biden to refer to it as reminiscent of the Jim Crow era? Because that paints a horrible picture on the um, conservative people who proposed the bill. And Do you think that was fair of the president to do? Um, I think in terms of... Well, one, in terms of Joe Biden as a political figure trying to rally support for his cause, I think making um, a seemingly hyperbolic statement will get more people riled up. So, you know, as his goal as a political figure, you know, as a president, as someone who is trying to, you know, get his, his base to follow his lead, I think making the hyperbolic statement was important just in that aspect. But I think the general, you know, idea of, of a statement of how you know, it's restricting the African-American vote. I mean, I think that definitely rings true. Is it to the same extent as Jim Crow laws? Obviously not. I mean, by no means whatsoever, but it is still in an attempt to restrict the African-American vote. And might I add, you know, with how the, uh, the, the Georgia Senate elections went this, 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 this past year, 
with you know Raf, uh, uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock winning um, winning the uh, winning as, as as a Democrat winning the uh, one, one of the Senate chairs of his state. You know he has been a long-standing member of the African American community. You know being parts of being a part of the Black Church, someone who who was a leader of the souls to the polls movements. And so having someone as your newly elected senator and then restricting the right to vote for many of the, for, you know, one of his primary causes, I think, I think, I think there's a lot to say there, but I want to, I want to kind of bring up this topic of, um, it's a, it's sort of like a political science term known as political forbearance. So political forbearance, if you, you will let me a little, uh, indulge a little in some of my political knowledge, I'm not trying to brag or anything. But political forbearance is basically the concept of the winning party not using their newfound power to restrict the ability of the other parties to win. So, for example, if you know if the Democrats won and then they restrict and, the, and then they would pass new laws that would restrict the uh, re which would restrict the possibilities of Republicans winning, that would be that would that would not be engaging in political forbearance. What we're seeing, though, is this sort of twisted version of it where the losing party is still using their power to restrict the capabilities of the winning party to win in more, which is, which is not something you commonly find, um, which is not something you commonly find in, uh, in, in this scenario. Right, so I, I have a, uh, I guess, like a, a very, um, very loose comment on this, because it's, it's a lot, right, I have to wrap my head around it, right, so it's not going to be super well vocabularyed right so uh, on the topic of political forbearing i remember when uh joe biden got elected uh it wasn't verbatim but i remember him saying something along the lines of when he um like operates as president he's going to be a representative of not only his party but america as a whole and obviously that's the democratic and the republican party right so um when you talk about the georgia voting law in specific uh him calling it a uh, a figment of uh jim crow Obviously, it was to um, further the support of his party, but it, it's a difference between, um, I guess, how do you put it? It, it? In terms of helping his party, it was a positive. In terms of morality, it was a, a bit of a indifferent statement, right? And I, I think that's where the role of the president shouldn't be. I think being a representative of the whole United States, meaning he should focus on a little bit more of the morality instance than... Uh, specifically his party, like lobbying for his party. I think he should have left the lobbying and calling it a reminiscent of Jim Crow. He should have left that to senators and uh, congressmen of his own party, the Democratic parties, rather than him saying it himself. I think that would make him uh, more uh, abiding to uh, the uh, political forbearing, as Evan said, and I guess a, a better leader of the universal um, both party system, right? I'm actually going to have to disagree with both of you here on this one because starting off, you know, with just the question, um, was it fair for him to say that it's reminiscent of Jim Crow? Um, I think 100% because at the end of the day, when you are trying to operate in a democracy and you have people trying to limit voting rights for specific groups of people, I mean, like Evan said, you know, Jim Crow was, you know, kind of a more extreme of that. But at the end of the day, these are the things that we tried and kind of thought we solved over these past, like, 30 years, couple of decades, right? And they're still present. I think, you know, this is still, again, a reminiscent of these same old laws that we had back in the uh, 20th century, right? But also, you know, in terms of, you know, the argument of, oh, Joe Biden's supposed to unify the country, Joe Biden, you know, when he says something as polarizing as voting restrictions are bad, it's not going to unify the country. I mean, 
we saw that he kind of shifted his narrative from, okay, I'm going to try and get Democrat and Republican um, elected leaders to agree with me to, I'm going to do what the American people want me to do, right? And if we kind of go with that new narrative that he set, Americans genuinely don't agree with like voting rights restrictions, right? Like there's been polling that shows that the things that Biden has done specifically, you know, calling voting rights out issues and stuff like this, and just in general that most Americans don't actually agree with it. So in terms of like, unifying the country, I mean, we've seen like the right and we've seen uh, conservatives really just kind of polarize themselves and say, hey, we're not going to agree with Biden on most issues, right? Even if the American people agree with it. But in terms of actually unifying the country, most of the country agrees that people should have the right to vote, right? So I think he is not only accurate in saying that it's reminiscent of um, the Jim Crow laws, but I think he's also fair in saying it because technically it does still align with his, you know, position to unify the country if we're unifying the actual citizens rather than the people who are just here to, you know, disagree with him. To, to clarify real quick, because I, I know Evan has something to say that, um, to clarify really quickly, I want to make it known that all of us disagree with this Georgia voting law. We do think that restrictions on anybody voting is like horrible and not a good thing Wait, at you all. guys thought I agreed with it? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, like juxtaposing what you said next to what I said made it seem like I agree with it. I do not agree. I just think it's a little bit extreme of Biden making the polarizing statement. I, I, I do think it needed to be said, but I don't think it should have been said by him, if that makes sense. Evan, you you looked like you had something to say before. Anything you'd like to oh, add? No, to no, that? I'm good. No, okay. No, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, yeah, I think that's really in terms of you know the law itself and you know the president's response to it. I think that's you know a really a conversation that we could have for hours if you can't tell. But moving on, I think another important. Uh, we'll say consequence of this voting rights law being passed is that corporations like coca-cola and the mlb have actually kind of tried to distance themselves from the state of georgia i know that the mlb i believe moved their all-star game out of georgia yeah out of georgia for when it was supposed to be played how do you guys feel about that um and, and i before i talk about that i think um uh, we need to say Coca-Cola. Did they distance themselves, like advertising sense, from the MLB, or, um, or we can look right now, right? Because I, I don't want to say anything and miss, like, misinformed, right? Of course, yeah. But I mean, we definitely know that they have been um, against the voting rights law. Like, this is something yeah, that they've said. But I can actually tell you right now. Give me and one second. I, I think it was uh, Mitch McConnell who said that uh, corporations should distance themselves from the government, but. That's one that's of the most right. hypocritical statements I've ever right. heard. I was about to say. Right? Like, if you make a career of giving corporations the freedom and the power to just, you know, get rich, you know, do whatever they want, and as soon as they disagree with you, you're like, hold on, hold on, stop, stop, stop. You, you, you guys can't do that. I think that is one of the funniest things I've ever heard from a politician. I think the, the most, like, best analogy for Mitch McConnell making that statement is how he's a pro-life individual who actively gets... Uh, made fun of on snl for like, like hating people right have you have you seen those bits where he's like pictured here watching a child drown right and he's smiling have you guys seen that <laughs> no i haven't watched oh. snl in a long long time but so on weekend update whenever the, the two hosts talk about uh, mitch mcconnell it's always a picture of him happy and he goes pictured here watching children die or like something like that something horrible right yeah. <laughs> and i mean the there's the there's there's the the old george carlin bit about how pro-lifers 
or pro-life up until you're actually born, and then they don't they don't care about you at all. <laughs> right? I think uh, that that analogy that's kind of made there is a perfect example of, uh, or a perfect, like, I guess, second analogy you could make to his statement on the, the corporations, how it, it, it is so ridiculously hypocritical, hypocritical, someone who's lobbied so hard for the corporations to exist freely in the government to say that they can't have impositions on, like, thoughts on the government. It, he's lobbied so hard for the freedom of speech, but the second that someone powerful against him wants this freedom of speech to do what they want, if it's against his agenda, he immediately tries to diminish the entirety of the situation. So let me just say, um, yeah, I found out that it Delta and I, we missed Delta, which is a really big one, but Delta right. and Coca-Cola both released a statement just kind of saying that they were crystal clear opposing these new laws. Yeah. And... Yeah. Another, like, you know, thing about, you know, these companies doing something like that. Uh, Mitch McConnell also said, you know, these companies should kind of stay out of controversial issues, right? And it was actually uh, on the Trevor Noah show where I think he made a really good example where, you know, kind of companies kind of should stick to controversial issues because if they were just saying, you know, um, whatever they want to say, like if Coca-Cola just came out and released a statement, hugs feel nice, right? Like... <laughs> I think companies definitely have to kind of have boundaries for what they feel the need to speak on and saying that they like companies shouldn't oppose really controversial things is kind of just bizarre at that point. I, I don't like that because I, I think the more like we talk about how uh, companies specific being so influential like industries or like things, if they remove themselves from like very important discourse, it's sort of leaving a precedent that we shouldn't address these types of like controversial ideas and i think the best way to take care of them is to tackle them head on right yeah and so uh, something i wanted to bring up that uh i, I just re-remembered when we talk about the mlb game uh the all-star game being moved out of georgia do you think that's somewhat counterproductive because i know the mlb game in specific brought uh, i think it was like a, a like a hundred million dollars in excess like uh business activity brought to the state of georgia whether it be like uh food trucks in that area or whatnot, right? Including some of that owned by uh, minority businessmen, right? Um, I think it's almost uh, kicking them while they're ground. I think the, the idea behind it was good to make a statement against Georgia by moving like a big economic activity from their, from their uh, like geographical area. But I, I think it harms the people in Georgia more than it does the, the government of Georgia who they're trying to make the statement against, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's an interesting point because, so, obviously, you know, pulling the All-Star game, the MLB All-Star game out of Georgia, it's a big hit on Georgia's uh, hospitality industry, you know, their economic, which is one of their major economic, um, I guess, right. considered an export. One of them, one, well, it's one of their major economic sources. So it is, you know, it's a big hit on their, on just Georgia's economy writ large. Now, whether or not that have a bigger effect on the politicians or the individual is a whole other topic of debate that could go on for, I mean, there's probably been seminars on that, on that exact topic that have, that have gone on for hours and hours. Um, but, you know, whether or not it affects the individual more than the politician, you know, that, that's a whole discussion that I'm not, I'm not particularly inclined to be having um, just, just, just for time constraints of this episode. 35 minutes in, no cuts. <laughs> yeah, um, but, um, um, but as, 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 you know, as far as, as my opinion on that, I think overall it will hurt, just, uh, just overall, I think it will hurt more the image that the Georgia government has 
um, more than just the individual like business owner of, in Georgia? Like, it's definitely going to hurt business owners to some degree. Like, to what degree, nobody really knows at this, you know, moment in time. But at the same time, I think it is probably going to hurt um, the Georgia government and Georgia legislature more. Because at the end of the day, any money that's going to go into Georgia and start circulating in Georgia, it's always going to end up back to the government, right, for them to kind of decide what they want to do. And if M the MLB just kind of said, hey, we're giving you less money so you can't, like, suppress people's votes in the future, I think that's a good thing. Because if companies kind of that's continue true. with that narrative, right, and, like, say, hey, human rights are important, we're not going to let you kind of stop letting people have human rights, um, you know, they are, at the end of the day, preventing them from, you know, going hyperballistic, if you will. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to bring up something funny from the, the Georgia voting law, right? Uh, so I know uh, the law itself talked about how uh, someone within 150 paces of, of voting, like a polling area, um, who is like partisan affiliated for like a specific uh, individual or like policy or whatever, can't provide you with water. <laughs> I'm going to be standing 151 paces <laughs> right now. Lines are going to start 151 paces. Yeah, of Dasani to like my fellow Democrats up in there. Yeah, bring to the tape measure. Line starts here. <laughs> One of those t-shirt cannons to fill them with water bottles. <laughs> Let's fill with water and just throw water at people. Biden for Biden! Let it rain. <laughs> So I think the last thing, you know, we kind of have to talk quick, about. Okay. Uh, does the voting law, like, account for projectiles from out of the 150 range? You know, I don't think that was in the, I don't think that was in the other clauses, I don't think. Right. I, I, I have to double check. quarterback arm can be lobbying. Is that ableist? Thoughts? Another argument against them if someone's So moving on to... <laughs> moving on from... Moving on there. to another thing that, you know... I think needs to be talking about talked about when you consider the Georgia, uh, you know, voting rights law, is we talked about it kind of at the beginning, where the Republican Party lost in Georgia, right? The Republican Party lost in a bunch of other states across the country, and those states are all bringing up similar voting laws, right? What does this say about like democracy as a whole, and specifically like the losing party, for them feeling the need to not just try and be a better party, but make it kind of make the other party like not worse but harder to harder for the supporters of the other party to actually support yeah. the other party yeah that, that goes back into what i was discussing about political forbearance where it's the sort of inverse version of it where the losing party is making it harder for the winning party to continue to win which is not generally seen in the wider scope of political science i think it's more of a question about like a determinism of the like a, a national american pride right uh, America always thinks they're like the number one best nation in the world, but like statistically, we're not in healthcare and education, right? So when a, a, a figment, like a party of the American nation loses, they, they're less bound to take responsibility of that. And I think it's taking effect more now, in, more now than in the history of our nation. And I think something needs to be done in order to, I guess, take responsibility for the fact that you lost and improve yourself as a party for the betterment of the nation as a whole. I mean, you can't say America's not the best country. You see, we have the largest uh, rubber band ball, the largest uh, rubber stamp, uh, the largest, uh, what else? Largest ball of hay? What? Uh, ball of twine, sorry. We have all these really big things, but I mean... Largest basket? Come on, man! I mean, with the number what? one I stand country America is the greatest thing in the world. Like, what was the point of MAGA? America was great always, right? Yeah. No, but on a more serious note, though, um, 
do we think that like these attempts are going to like even if these attempts do end up going through and nothing is done about them which i doubt is going to be the case right if these voting rights laws go in to hurt the democratic party do we think that the republican party actually got any stronger from any of this very smally but i mean in i mean i think it will definitely affect the georgia voter base voter base sorry i mean it's there will definitely be logistical ramifications for the Georgian voter base. But I think, I think drastic, overall, though. I think overall, it's a very underrated tactic. I think it's a very disingenuous and dishonest tactic that a lot of people are seeing through and having the critical thinking skills to understand that this is a targeted attack on the African-American voter. And so with that knowledge in mind, I think it will definitely affect the Republican vote going to the future, but I think it'll, I think it will still have logistical ramifications for the African American or just the Georgian voter in general. I think it's less drastic than we're making it out to be because, like, as wrong as this bill is, it's not the most like extensive of bills, right? I mean, obviously, you could have just you know, you could have definitely taken away more rights, but um, <laughs> but uh, I think more so, it's like an inconvenience to Democrats rather than like a whole like blockade on their voting which in itself is wrong either way but i think they can like get around it it's still a pretty large inconvenience because i mean the one thing i forgot to say earlier was um no the sunday voting like clause was taken out so that's actually not an official thing but one thing it did is it limited the voting hours on election day from nine to five and i'm not sure if you know um like you know let's just be generous maybe maybe republic the legislators in georgia didn't know you know what usually happens from nine to five for people but um you know People uh, tend part, to right? work in those hours, you know. Uh, you know, people tend to have jobs, and if polls close at 5 p.m. and open at 9 p.m., more times than not, a lot of people who maybe have to work a job, right, and really depend on that job, aren't going to be able to vote on election day. I stand corrected. It sucks. Screw Georgia. <laughs> Boo! Rude, Georgia. And that being said... No, wait, hold on. One more thing. I actually have one more thing I want to say is... Oh. Do you think that some of these voting rights restrictions could also inherently hurt, like, Republican voters? That being said, thank you so much for updating. <laughs> um, I mean, to answer, to answer Jane's question, I think here and there, yes, but I think it will predominantly affect Democratic voters. Yeah, I yeah. think more so it will affect the Democrats. But um, it will not ex It will not solely affect one or the other, but there will, there will definitely be some cross-contamination, but overall, yeah. you know, speaking in broader terms, I think just in the wider scale of things, in the wider view of things, then yes, it will affect general, uh, Democratic voters just more prevalently. Yeah. Or prominently, I guess is more appropriate word to use there. Is it ready now? We're ready, Armand. That being said, thank you so much for watching this episode of the Gradient Podcast. As always, I'm Armand. I'm Jaden. And I'm Evan. And follow our socials, which Evan will now promptly say. Actually, I'll do it. I will do it. You can follow our Twitter at Gradient Podcast. Follow our Instagram at Gradient Podcast. Um, any Redditors in the chat? We have a subreddit now, r slash Gradient Podcast. Uh, you could be the Discord first post there. No, gamer. no Discord. No Discords no? here. Oh, okay, um, okay. Anything I'm missing? You could follow our Facebook at GradPod. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's so many great places to follow us. And, you, know, you should start a MySpace. You could follow our minds. <laughs> so many great places to follow us, and if you're not following us in at least one of them, yeah, besides MySpace, you're really missing out. So make sure you go ahead and do that, and thank you so much for watching this episode.